Hello folks, welcome to the Trini Corner series of season eight, celebrating four years of On The Call. I'm Ozzy Stewart, as you know, and very grateful that you've tuned in to this thank you tour of Vine, where I give flowers to deserving impactors within the Trinidadian community and culture. And on this episode, I am so happy to shine light on Dewad Philip and Clem Bowen. Dewad, Appreciate the time, Clem. Thank you for making it in. Appreciate Thanks, it really, really. Mm -hmm. And to have you guys together, this is to uh, me yeah. a historical thing. When was the last time you guys have done anything like this together? When was the last time? We got lost in upstate trying to get into Canada. Um, we got away from immigration. <laughs> no, we, we actually were the bus store. Uh -huh. it's a, 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 How long ago was that? Uh, that had to be before 1999. Yeah, before 1999. Wow, so then, here goes Clem Bowen. And this is short form history, guys, because there's more to be revealed, but is a mass band founder of Borokit. I think that was for about 14 years or so. Borokit USA, yes. Right. We founded that uh, Borokit USA in 1987. Okay. He's also a FET an artist promoter, a booker, a manager, an agent of such artists as Swallow, Marshall Montano, Arrow, Kess, Calypso Rose, Burning Flame, plus, 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 throughout the Caribbean, through his Kerouac Management Agency, which books, again, um, soccer artists worldwide. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not only that, he's also involved in the event planning, the productions, acquiring work permits, the whole shebang. He's also president, I just found out, president of the Sunday Connections, which I'm going to go next year, which only happens in July, and I don't know why I didn't know about this, but produces the Sunday brunch on the green. July's every, every other Sunday. The second Sunday in July. Right. Now, previously, though, Oh, and just in case you don't know what Borokit is, Borokit is um, a costume that was made to look like a dancer riding on a donkey, correct? That's the little donkey. Little donkey. Yeah, they right. have different the, forms of Borokit. I think the Spanish people have a Borokit, uh -huh. uh, the Indians have a Borokit, uh -huh. and um, it's spelled differently. Right. But ours, yours is B. Ours was spelled in New York. Borokit was spelled B-O-R-O-K-E-E-T-E. -E. In Trinidad, Borokit was spelled B-U-R. It was spelled quite differently. Uh -huh. Prior to all of this, though, um, Clem was also in the aviation business, uh, aviation industry, which we'll get to afterwards. I'm going to move to intro Mr. Philip. Spelled with one L, no S. Philip, first name Dawad, D-A-W-A-D. He's a renowned author of three volumes of poetry. He is, his poems have appeared in anthologies, including Stepping Stones, Bomb, Caribbean Voices, Poetry International, etc., etc. A whole list, guys. This is a, a mouthful that you see in here. Anyway, <laughs> he's a recipient of the New York State Fellowship on Arts for Poetry, mm -hmm. has performed his works in the Caribbean, U.S., Canada, <laughs> Riga, Latvia, Latvia yeah. Moscow, and St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. After living in and working in Brooklyn for nearly four decades as an artist, poet, journalist, and editor at Amsterdam News, Duarte has settled 
uh, resettled in his hometown of Sando, San Sando. Fernando in Trinidad. One of the things that came to me in my research is that his Mural by the Sea, it's a 2018 film, um, was, uh, was filmed by um, the late playwright, director, mm -hmm. who, with whom I performed back in Trinidad oh, okay. at Carib Theatre, Tony Hall. Mm -hmm. And um, this mural by the sea is based on selected poems from the book of the same title, Miss mm -hmm. Tony. Oh, that smile. Ah, Dawad was steeped in the carnival world as a mask maker, costume designer, mask man, journalist, painter, calypso tent manager, promoter, organizer of Arab Theater Week. He still keeps an active hand in the annual Trinidad Carnival via the National Car uh, Carnival Commission and Juve advisor to TNT Ministry of Culture. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Right. And thereby keeping our culture's essence eternal through pan sports, mass kaiso, and a little chutney and life. My 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 information would never put sports. I <laughs> I think I, that would be fraudulent. Yes, <laughs> we got I'm that. I'm a sports fan. fan. As a sports <laughs> fan, and from what I'm understanding, is, is it? Uh, possible to say that he'll soon be in the Library of Congress? Yeah, well, that that has yeah that that that's, proud that's that's proud 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 to sit down with these two giants. Okay. What is wonderful for me is to see the influence the word in in of the people that I've worked with, like um, Tony Andre Tanker, mm -hmm. who was mm -hmm. when I he and I were really really close at one time. Yeah, Derek yeah. Walcott. Mm -hmm. um, and to see that you've had a mission of discerning and affirming our Caribbean essence, right? While simultaneously breaking down barriers that may have existed in the, the larger black world and beyond. Mm -hmm. My question to you first would be, how do those barriers look now? Well, you know, part of the thing is that we, we were talking about that, Tim and I. Um, if you go back to where we would have landed in America. It was um, in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it was not an easy community to identify, you know, that Caribbean uh, ethos, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and it doesn't mean that it wasn't there mm -hmm. because the, uh, in Harlem, the Caribbean community was there. And, but, but things that brought the community together, uh, when, when I arrived in Brooklyn, the, these things were just in the embryonic stage. They were, you know, ideas in people's heads. Mm -hmm. what, what was clearly there was that um, there was the stuff that we brought in our DNA, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so that... Um, a lot of the bands, a lot of the names affiliated with the music scene, some of them had um, by then moved either permanently or were coming here with a frequency mm -hmm. so that they got involved with, with, with 
music, much as they did in Harlem, like with Gerald right. Clark and Daphne Weeks and, mm -hmm. and these folks. Mm -hmm. But in Brooklyn, it would have been folks like um, Beverly Griffith mm -hmm. and uh, Sid Joe and, and Bert Bailey and Les Sargent and then CPO Sargent and, and Andre, you know. And, and so that, that was happening. And we were talking about that. So the parties were, they were basement parties, mm -hmm. you know, private private homes, mm -hmm. and then that kind of started to expand because by then the communities were growing. You know, um, in the seventies there was a, a really a large influx of Caribbean people, and in that wave, a huge amount were Trinidadians. With that influx, you were able to have huge bands, a, a proliferation of pan going on all over Brooklyn. But I have a question to ask, and maybe Clem, uh, I'll ask you this one. Um, there has been the influence of the Jamaicans or the input by the Jamaicans, the Guyanese, the Grenadians. Um, how did that influence what the Trinidadians were doing? I think we influenced them. Okay. Um, back then, in terms of mass production, mm -hmm. back when they first started, mm -hmm. uh, primarily all the bands, the costume band, mm -hmm. I think Antigua mm -hmm. and St. Vincent mm -hmm. might be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, might be the only two other islands. St. Thomas. And St. Thomas, the Virgin mm -hmm. Islands, that really produced costume maps. Uh -huh. So for a lot of the other um, spectators, mm -hmm. I can't call them revelers because they weren't really revelers. Right. They, they would they come up on the parkway, but they actually didn't jump into the bands. They would stand and look, right. you know. Uh, you had, let's say, on the organizational end, you had this guy, Lizamo, who's Venezuela, mm -hmm. you know, and you have different people, you know, got involved in the the Trinidadian thing, but they were from, they were not from Trinidad, who were yeah. impactful. Well, Carlos is a, a unique um, case. Carlos, yes, he was born in Venezuela, right. but Carlos was raised in Trinidad. Right. And he left, he lived there, he married, grew up there, he went to school, he married, and from there went back to Venezuela and worked his way uh, by boat uh, as a seaman. Into into Trinidad, but but that's common. With, you you first have to to recognize that Trinidad. I always think that if Trinidad, Trinidad resembles New York, yeah, because it is a melting pot. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Trinidad is really a place where all these people came from all over the world, right. and opportunities were in Trinidad, and they came. So whether it was the Chinese in the early uh, years after, well. Uh, Slavery, right? The European and slavery, right. and, and the indigenous peoples. Mm -hmm. The first set of immigrants would have been the Chinese, mm -hmm. and and then the Indians who came as indentures. But they all, we all came from a different place. If you speak to a Trinidadian, you ask them for their family background, you find out there's a grandmother from Grenada. Mm -hmm. Barbados, a father from St. Vincent. Mm -hmm. 
because the opportunities were there in Trinidad because Trinidad was a place resettled mm -hmm. or settled by after the cellular popu uh, population. So people were coming there, they were finding work because the whole place was being built. Trinidad was really a, a wasteland, you know. Mm -hmm. But once they started to bring, they brought the French planters and the French planters brought their slaves mm -hmm. and then encouraged by giving them vast land grants, you know, the cellular, and and then the word got out so that where the first French French planters were coming from Haiti, the rest of them started to come from St. Vincent and thing, and then all the little were coming from Nevis and all these other islands, Barbados, mm -hmm. into Trinidad, because now agriculture, they have a whole agriculture-based economy, cocoa, mm -hmm. coffee, sugarcane, all these things, so that it was a, a, a settled place, you know? So that is where you have a lot of that. These people have Caribbean backgrounds as opposed to essentially Trinidadian, uh -huh. Native Trinidad. The only native Trinidadians were the Caribbean and Arawaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, going to the organization, I'm, I'm kind of stuck based on conversations that I've had previously. <clears throat> you had um, UWIDA, which is the United West Indian De Development Day Development Association, Association back in the day, right? Uh, under Lizamo, and it's changed to Riadka, Riadka. Um, which is now the West Indian American Day Carnival Association, or otherwise known as the Association. Mm -hmm. um, with all that has happened with associations and organizations, is Carnival still considered the world's greatest export uh, to those within or the, without, you know, the, the diaspora? But before any one of us answer. I want to make it clear that um, before we get to Lizama in our conversation mm -hmm. with particularly the Brooklyn Carnival, mm -hmm. you must mention that Rufus Goring is the man yes. who brought the carnival from Harlem. Right. When the when the, there was a riot in the 60s and they closed down the carnival, took mm -hmm. away the permit, mm -hmm. Rufus moved to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And Rufus started with, with the same passion. Rufus was making a back costume and going through the hallways of his apartment building down on, on Brevard mm -hmm. and playing a one-man mask for carnival. Jumping in his head, just playing mask. <laughs> and then he decided he'll come out in the streets. Carnival was planned to coincide with the Trinidad Carnival. Right. So, but Trinidad Carnival is in February. Right. Lord, are you trying to play mass in <laughs> Harlem in the middle of winter in February? <laughs> so what they did, they had the carnivals, but they had them indoors. Right. First from the houses, just like we're doing with the basement parties in the early. Yeah. The earliest carnivals were in your house. And maybe you tried to go out in the yard or so, if you did have a private home but mostly apartment buildings, and then they started to have small halls. But the thing that impresses me is that the, when you hear about the halls that 
they were having carnival dances in Harlem. It was Renaissance and the Savoy and uh, Uptown, the Uptown renowned places. We will have we have a, a Wishko Manor, an aristocrat, and, and all of these minor compared to those right. big ballrooms uptown. And it even outgrew that. So by the time Jessie Waddle, who had come up from Trinidad in 26, she looked at that and she said, no, this carnival, if you're going to have a carnival, let's have a carnival. Right. And she petitioned and got the permit to have the first street parade right after World War II. Right. It corresponded with the Calypso, that the rise of Calypso mm -hmm. as well. Because when you look at the history of the vanguard mm -hmm. and the Calypsonians coming through New York on their way to England, mm -hmm. the impact they had on the venues in Manhattan, you know, mm -hmm. um, they were taken slightly at first, but mm -hmm. when the proprietors, the club owners mm -hmm. saw the impact and saw the revenue coming in mm -hmm. from people in line right. waiting to see a Calypsonian, right. it had a big impact on, right. on, on and the whole industry, the right. carnival calypso yes. industry. Yes. And importantly, uh, you have to remember that the first recorded calypsos were in New York. First Correct. by Lovey and his, what they call the Paseo music that was recorded in New York, and then Lionel Belasco, mm -hmm. all thing. And by then, you know, the folks who were in the industry realized that we, we could make some money mm -hmm. and they start, they brought some of the Calypsonians, including Attila, Lion, Crawling Tiger, and those guys brought them to New York and did the very first major recording of Calypso. Mm -hmm. You know, you, but like I said, Belasco was recording. So, but all the recording history is New York. So New York is you know, linked to this whole thing, conversation. So that what what Clem is doing is yeah. just the continuation mm -hmm. of that that mm -hmm. tradition, you know? One of the things that I've been hearing is that, you know, the, the New York has been great. And there's a bubbling of, of, well, it's no longer because people are moving out to Miami or, you know, other places. Um, why in your estimation that has been happening? And has it been affecting the music more so or the, the just the, 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 the Labor Day parade mass uh, scenario? I think when you think about not just Miami, but when you look at Toronto's kind of when you look at Miami's carnival, and you look at the whole infrastructure, yeah. we we talk about a lot of revenue coming in for Labor Day, mm -hmm. but yet you would find that New Yorkers go to Miami, or people even from Boston, from Washington, from places, they go to Miami and they see it as a mini vacation, because you can do so much in Miami mm -hmm. carnival. You can go to the beaches, you can do the, the hotels there. The so it has Airbnb. nothing you think to do, because uh, the other rumbling is, well, you know, things have changed because of the crime and the 
NYPD and the barriers and you can't walk in or out and you know oh well yeah food. we've seen I don't know well so it's depressed a little it's been depressed for us mm -hmm. who have experienced both worlds mm -hmm. those days were much better right the freedom you had um, remember then I think NYPD at that time mm -hmm. used to send police officers to Trinidad to observe Trinidad Carnival Is to get right? a better understanding of how Trinidad Carnival was. Mm -hmm. So we had more dialogue. I used, at that time, I used to go to a lot of meetings in the precinct. Mm -hmm. So we had face-to-face -face conversations. Mm -hmm. um, we could be on the parkway, for example, mm -hmm. and a police officer can come to our band and says, no, you guys, you got to go this way. Mm -hmm. And I could say, listen, I'll call Sergeant so-and-so, call so-and-so, because I was in a meeting with that mm -hmm. officer. Mm -hmm. the officer it, it was an officer, Bill Jackson, I think, mm -hmm. community affairs officer. Mm -hmm. He was pretty much in charge of to most of the officers. For, they knew the route. We, the mass, the, the band leaders, mm -hmm. had that dialogue with them. Mm -hmm. But um, that's only one aspect of it. It's not just the mass band. The entertainment industry has changed Correct. as well. Correct. There was a time when all the Calypsonians, all the artists, all the bands would come to New York mm -hmm. and stay for the entire summer. Mm -hmm. And then they would go out of New York to do the jazz. They go to the Boston, they go DC, they go Baltimore, they go Miami, they go uh, Fort Lauderdale, they go all over. They go to London, out of New York. Mm -hmm. That's no longer happening because the whole industry has changed. Um, today, the artists see themselves as on another level. So, mm -hmm. 20, what does that mean? 20 years ago, a band or an artist will come to New York and stay at a friend's house. Mm -hmm. We can put them up in a house mm -hmm. and they'll be quite comfortable. Mm -hmm. Today, the artists, the younger artists, younger, when they come here, they want hotel accommodation. Mm -hmm. They want per diem for the day. Mm -hmm. That's food money for the mm -hmm. day. Um, and their manager and their manager and publicist if 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 depending. right so it's no longer affordable for a promoter you know <laughs> I, I because of what i do mm -hmm. there are times i'm between a rock and a hard place mm -hmm. because even though i'm the agent for certain artists i feel sometimes a, a bit i'm sympathetic sometimes to the promoter because I don't see the promoter making the dollars they used to make. Right. I, in most cases, I see them losing because they can't afford it anymore. So we reach a point now where at some point the bubble's going to bust. You know. Um, what does that mean? It means that unless we see we're not seeing bands coming through anymore. So we know, we, we've seen that there. We see the Kess and the, um, what's the other band? All, all the Trinidad I'm speaking of. We see the Kess coming through. We see Marshall Montana and his band coming. We see Dylan Adan coming through, but Dylan Adan is more affordable than the other two. Mm -hmm. You can't, promoters now cannot host an event in, let's say the Tilden Hall, mm -hmm. a, a venue that size anymore, mm -hmm. because what he has to pay the band, the revenue from that event cannot pay the band. Mm 
he has to go into a stadium. He has to go, and, and, and how many promoters can do that? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot more promoters now, but they're doing smaller parties. Mm -hmm. They're doing DJ parties. Mm -hmm. So we've seen a decline in, in what we used to have in the 70s. The 70s, you had the Boost Taylor, you had the McLeod, you had the, these are all promoters I'm calling, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And they used to have several events around Labor Day, mm -hmm. right? But we don't have that anymore. We might have the big vent, the Marshall Montano in a big venue, mm -hmm. in a stadium. Mm -hmm. We might have Kess in a stadium, right? But all the other events are pretty much DJs. I think, I think, um, Clem might have had something to do with that. Explain, please. Well, Clem, Clem, Clem had to look after the interests of his artists. Right. And the model was the larger, this is New York, and the larger, the larger model would be that kind of thing. But there is an element of truth yeah. to it. Because the guys would have come up from truth, but they come up with an idea in their head. Mm -hmm. This is New York, so therefore, you know. Um, so whereas we would get a house and put a whole band, the agent here is going to kill us if, <laughs> if, if I can't provide that. You know what I mean? Right. And he's looking out for me. You know, right. but, but what I'm saying is we somehow we painted ourselves into a corner. Mm -hmm. it, progress has done that. I, I mean, you, you know, you have to admit that. Yeah. It is that you first have to understand that the culture of Calypso, Trinidad is a, is a unique place. And what I mean by that is that Trinidad is the only place I knew in the midst of all this world entertainment I would, my, would have been around, where the Calypso king, the biggest Calypso star, is going to be liming on the corner. And, he, yes. and he's not going to arrive for a show in a limousine. Right. He's going to, because Calypso is the people. Right. And the, it, 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 it's almost, you, you cannot, as a real genuine voice of the people, show up as coming a, a people who say, oh, so we are my, right. kind of see me <laughs> on my. That's right. And, and, yeah. and that's why there was a time when the average Californian or the average artist would get on a plane and sit in economy. Yeah. And have conversations with the passengers mm -hmm. on the airplane because they knew who he was. He belonged to the people. And he belonged to the people. Mm -hmm. Today, mm -hmm. I cannot put one of my artists in economy. Mm -hmm. Right. They want to be in first class. Right. Right? They have separated themselves yeah. from the people who put them up there. Mm -hmm. And I, I worry about that. Because even, 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 even I, I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. There was a club uh, in Washington, D.C. called Crossroads. Mm -hmm. And the owner of the club was a Jamaican guy. Um, Gale was his last name. Mm -hmm. um, I could bring up Tony Carr, who was a Jamaican DJ, uh, a radio personality in, in Washington. Mm -hmm. And through Tony, I get to, met, to meet uh, Mr. Gale. And Traffic was performing there one night mm -hmm. for them. The band Traffic, which I... That had to do with the CD, CD race, right, right. here. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the promoter didn't do well that night because the event was the same night as Atlanta Carnival, and you were involved in Atlanta mm -hmm. back in those days, mm -hmm. where everyone went to Atlanta for Atlanta Carnival. Mm -hmm. And while the band was on stage, now 
This is a promoter who came to the hotel, paid me all the money, did everything that he's supposed to do, did it correctly. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I realized that the show wasn't doing well at all, mm -hmm. had done, hadn't done well at all, and he paid all the money, I said to the owner of the band, I said, listen, I think we need to give this guy back a little change, you know, mm -hmm. because this guy didn't do well, he paid everything. I said, okay. So I went to him after the show, I said, listen, this is a little something back from the band. We realized he didn't do well, but you know, mm -hmm. thanks for everything. Mm -hmm. And he said, why are you doing this? And I said, well, you feed us. Mm -hmm. And I want you to continue feeding us. Mm -hmm. And from that day on, I was able to call that promoter that, and ask him anytime mm -hmm. I have, anytime I had someone coming in, whether I had other jobs, I could say, listen, can I get a, a spot? Mm -hmm. And so we built relationships, mm -hmm. right? I don't, today, you don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I used to send thank you notes, mm -hmm. thank you cards to every promoter I dealt with. People don't realize how so we built relationships, mm. right? And mm. um, that is not happening today. Guy, uh, guy makes a request. He hasn't even been playing on the radio. He started talking about let let your people talk to my people. You know what I mean? And, 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 lost, and for me, it's difficult because even though I represent the artists, right? I'm a promoter as well. Right. And I live in Brooklyn, and I have to see these promoters all the time. When I go to mm -hmm. Miami, I have to see them. Right. And I, I, I have to feel for them. Right. Because they want to keep the culture alive. They want to do things. Right. But they also want to make a little bit of money. Right. Passion versus profit. You know. And, and unlike back in the day where uh, people understood the demographics and say, well, listen, it's important that I need to know how many people that look like us in that area mm -hmm. that will support this event, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are so many aspects of this. Uh, you know, I was on the road with Arrow for years mm -hmm. when Hot 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 was a big, I was a driver. Mm -hmm. And Arrow used to work on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, Friday, and maybe Saturday for, the, for our communities. Mm -hmm. But we were in places like Portland, Maine, and, 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 and uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and areas that these artists today are not going to. Mm -hmm. Right? They're prepared to work and charge you a lot, charge a lot of money for Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. But they're not getting into the areas where mm -hmm. the Timbuktu, for example, I'm just right. using that. Yeah, yeah. Where people have heard of Calypso, but have never seen a Calypso. Right. They've heard of Soka, but they've never seen a Soka artist. And that's where you need to be during the week. How early were you guys introduced to or exposed to Carnival? Because your mind with, with, mm. with, with the knowledge and stuff that you have, mm. both of you. I mean, he wasn't. He's been there. And also, how? How early, but... Through which medium? Was it the master steel band, you know? Well, yeah. Well, in all aspects. Yeah. Because um, I think I'm still trying to come to terms with my first attempt to want to play mass at, at about four, and my grandmother yeah. telling me, 
school, you can't. And I, I cry. I think I cried the whole carnival. <laughs> I cried because I'm watching my big cousins, and you know, everybody's getting the get together. Yeah. So, so carnival. I I was born in an environment of carnival. Where I come from on Lord Street is what it's. That area is called San, Sandu proper, meaning that I am from the heart of San Fernando. Right. I was born 45G Harris from that. You can't get more proper than me. <laughs> right. So, but but it's a yard, it's a barrack yard. Yeah. But in that barrack yard is all the aspects of the carnival traditions. Uh, so in that yard, in one one of those barracks, you would see a rubber costume being made, one is a black Indian being made, one is, and by the way, this is where Stalin grew up also, so, you know, you would see the, the minstrels and this kind of thing. So I, this is what nurtured my creative spirit in the carnival. And then I was fortunate to be born with some artistic skills. So early when I started drawing the things I saw for carnival, mm -hmm. and then of course it moved one of the teachers in primary school to see the drawings and say, "Listen, we want to bring our carnival back." <laughs> and at that point, another teacher was bringing some old pans from abandoned Marabella that had broken up. So we formed the first steel band and we brought a band called Viva, Viva Zapata. Viva Zapata. Viva Zapata, which gave me the chance to draw this mask because that was the happiest thing for me. I, you know, just the idea to draw mask, you know, because as a boy living in the heart of town, I'm walking behind all the Indians, I'm holding their money purse for them, <laughs> holding a tomahawk, going yeah. with them, chanting along with them. But the opportunity to have a hands-on and then to see the whole theater of carnival happening around me, because most of these things came with theater, whether it is the rubber, right. whether it is the minstrels, right. whether it's the Indians, the sailor, you know, Stalin, the first, the, to this day, uh, I, there are people who would tell you the best fireman they ever saw dance a fireman dance with Stalin? I played a lot of sports. I, was, mm. I ran track, I played soccer, I played cricket. So when I came to New York, I was 19. Mm -hmm. And um, most of my relatives, mm -hmm. and going back to what Dwight had said earlier mm -hmm. on, my grandmother is from Nevis, was from Nevis. Uh -huh. My great-grandfather was from Barbados. Mm -hmm. And he came to Trinidad as a pan boiler, which I don't know if you no, before the sugar factory, before the sugar factories, they had these people that made the sugar on the estates mm -hmm. for them. So he was brought from Barbados up in the estate mm -hmm. um, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I came to New York, I, I was living with my grandmother's sister. Mm -hmm. her, her children were my mother's age, and their children were my age. So most of my relatives here, because she had several siblings, they were all Americans. And mm -hmm. that was my, those were the people I was associating with. Mm -hmm. Those are the people I was mingling with. Mm -hmm. And then I ran into a friend of mine who says to me, I used to play soccer. He said, why don't you come and play soccer? Mm -hmm. 
And I said, well, who? So he says, yeah, we have this team, Brooklyn Juniors. So I went to Brooklyn Juniors. I joined their soccer team, and my life changed from then on. Then I was back into my training ways. And the thing is, even at that time, I just did the things in the club the group did, mm -hmm. but I was never into entertainment. Mm -hmm. I got into entertainment by accident. Mm -hmm. I left to go work in Egypt. Mm -hmm. My company sent me to Egypt. And then they sent me to Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And for the years in Saudi Arabia, that's when I started missing my culture. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I didn't even know anything about DJing. Mm -hmm. But I loved my music and I wanted to expose it. Mm -hmm. So Glenn Cullen, mm -hmm. Mills Brothers, I asked him to send me some equipment. So I got the equipment in Saudi Arabia and I started DJing in Saudi Arabia. I wasn't a good DJ, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. was, uh, <laughs> you have to start terrible, terrible, terrible DJ. <laughs> but I played at the British Embassy a little bit. I had parties in my villa. I would have everybody, all the expatriates come to my villa, mm -hmm. to parties, and, mm -hmm. you know. And that's when I started saying, you know what? I, I just found something that I really want to do. Mm -hmm. I came back to New York after being ten, over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Aru, who I knew for years, said to me, what are you doing with that van? Because I had a brand new 16-seater 16 16 Ford van that the company had given me because they owed me some money. They said, take the van. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, you know what? I'm going to be touring a lot. Why don't you take the van and I on tour? Uh -huh. And that's what I did. And that's how I got into the business. Right. I started driving him. Right. And... He had some jobs through Third World Booking Agency, which is in SOBs, right. from SOBs. Yeah, of course. Right. Larry Gold, who owns SOBs, right. he had a booking agency on the top floor called Third World Talent Agency. Uh -huh. And then Larry had me taking some of his people on tour, the Jamaican artist singer, uh, Sister Carol, and Sugar Minot, and, and then I ran into Alex Borsell, who is probably the, the biggest agent here for African music. Mm -hmm. So I started taking people like Baba Mal and, and Bundi Boys out of South Africa, Loketu out of Zaire. I was taking them on tour. Mm -hmm. I was taking Sugar Mine and everybody on tour. Mm -hmm. And being on tour with them, I started to learn the circuit because mm -hmm. sometimes it, the road manager couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. So they would give me that opportunity to be the road manager. So I started learning the business that way. So, how about, how did you two meet? <laughs> a good question. I am. Um, oh, Brooklyn, 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 because we did, I didn't even know Clem was from Princestown until much later. Uh -huh. So we were, we, we were born and raised not far from each other. And then I found out that Vaughn Martin, who has the biggest Caribbean radio show in, in the D.C. area was from, from Princess Stone. Yeah, I knew Vaughn father, I knew Vaughn brother, I knew Vaughn very well growing up. Our paths, and I, I think it started maybe with Borokis, because I started to uh -huh. hang with Borokis. Uh -huh. Everybody was hanging with Borokis, Borokis Hawks thing. And um, knowing what he did, you know, so there might have been some artists conversations around that. I, I, I don't even remember. Mm. Uh, but I do know that yeah. when I needed help, he saw what I was doing and, right. and I knew what he was doing and I knew that I, 
he would, I would need his help. What concerns you guys now about, you know, the carnival scene? I mean, really? I, I, I'm not seeing the sponsorships there anymore. Right. I, I, when I was the PL for Brokey, there were times when I would have sent sponsors to another mask yeah, mm -hmm. because we couldn't take any more sponsors. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, sponsors want visibility for their money, right. for their investment. I mean, they want pro product duplication. Right. 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 Yeah. I don't think they've seen that, and sponsors are not seeing that anymore. Because basically, if you walk on Eastern Parkway, and you know, more and more the people who were in, who are in charge of the carnival, for whatever their misjudgments or lack of vision, the remaining bands outside of Sesame Flyers, who has remained, but most of the big bands that made the parkway, the parkway right. was splintered, but also the biggest bands started to move the operation to Miami because there was less bureaucratic foolishness. Right. Their needs were addressed. Right. See, that's the thing. This carnival, nobody was take they took for granted took the producers of the carnival for granted right. the other carnivals were saying no we want you all to come down here we can give right. you this we can do that right it just made sense there's a better package as 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 clem is saying when you come to, to miami to play mass you can have a whole weekend of fun you right. play mass on, on eastern parkway you, you come out there one o'clock you're lucky if you reach half the half the, the, the route. So what with the state of carnival um you know for carnival at this point, what would you like to see well, the association or whomever is in charge achieve? As a Brooklynite, I would like to see it go back to the hours on the pathway, mm -hmm. the lengthy hours. Mm -hmm. Um uh, a lot of times we used to be on the pathway by 11, I think by 11, mm -hmm. and we would get off the pathway about 6. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that mm -hmm. because it's only one day. Mm -hmm. So if you want to pay that money for your costume, you mm -hmm. should be able to mm -hmm. have that time to enjoy it. Uh, but are there also enough bands to, to, to make that happen at this point? I don't know if there are enough mass bands right. to make so, that happen. Yeah. But the whole idea is to encourage mass bands to come back. Right. So that, that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is to create incentives for the mass producers mm -hmm. because people want something. You want to you encourage them to come on mm -hmm. the pathway. Mm -hmm. That's why they go to different cities now. Right. You want to give them that encouragement to come back. Right. Um, there might be a lot of other political things that I can't understand or I can't answer. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe this might be crazy, but maybe a venue change. Ooh, okay. I don't okay. know if, 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 if that's something they want to think about, mm -hmm. but the whole idea is to be able to give people a little bit more time to change it. Right. So what might, what might have worked 20 years ago may not work today. Well, what do you say about that, Daron? Well, he's right. The thing is that we are all consumers. And if, if I think I'm putting out X amount of dollars and I'm, uh, I'm being rushed off the parkway, spending all this money to play mass for, for three hours, and I'm, could take that course, you might go 
that money and go to Miami and have a beach and have a pool and have all of these things, then it starts to reach. We're going to lose, continue to lose. But the thing is that the people who are responsible for the carnival, I want to feel that they're not tuned into this. It's, 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 it's troubling, and I hope I'm wrong, because what I'm saying is that since COVID, the carnival has become, in this, this, these couple of years, it has become a parade like the Puerto Rican parade or like, or like the Dominican parade. It's floats. Brooklyn Labor Day was a carnival, a carnival with masqueraders, with revelers, with live music, with, you know, and part of the thing that is it too, the live music aspect of the carnival has disappeared. You know, I remember the first year, 1976, I, I, I got the crazy idea to put Kalyan on, the, on Eastern Parkway. Of course, Kalyan had just put out this brand new album. Disco Reggae. Disco Reggae. <laughs> and I thought that if I got Kalyan on Eastern Parkway, I would have the whole Parkway with me. But I didn't know how to market that. So Kalyan agreed to come on the Parkway. So I teamed up with Airport Mechanics. Well, we didn't have a big band, but what we had, we had the whole Parkway coming up the road with Kalyan. So what I'm saying is that's the kind of thing. In the years that traffic was on the, on the parkway, the years when Marshall was on the parkway, the years when, um, 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 what, what, what pumped me up band? Crossfire. Crossfire and all these bands were coming. When you look at the parkway, it was a mass of humanity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That energy is what moved the thing. I think we need to talk about that. I think we need to look at what they come, listen to the producers. Mm -hmm. The pan still after, after from 1969 to now, 60-something 60, 60, 60 years at least. Mm -hmm. The pan still don't have a permanent space. Every year is a mm -hmm. struggle and with, with um, the new the new gentrified <laughs> reality that is New York now and Brooklyn, people come into the community to live and they take the terms for the community that right. you came and met. Right. So you come in there and suddenly you want to call the police because you can't take this noise these people are making. Right. You came and you met that. That was your choice. You made the choice to live yeah, here. Right. You don't want to do that, you know. Right. Go somewhere. Right. But we know the realities of that, you know, that, 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 that history and, and where that's going. The Jewish community in Eastern Parkway, at least they have learned to coexist. They're not happy enough. You know? Right. They were just as soon not have Labor Day. Right. Especially after uh, the riots, the Crown right. Heights riots. But we have persisted and, and we've, we, we, we've, we've remained a part of, of the community because this is the community we built. Right. 
the Hasidic community expanded after the Caribbean community and the black American community held firm and held on to their properties and held on to their culture and, and built that. People were bought out. Crown Heights, most of these residents were bought out and then the Hasidics replaced them, which is cool, the, 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 you know, human movement. Right. It's the movement of the people. Right. But don't come to dictate terms that we labor to put in, in place. Right. And that's what's happening right now with the carnival. Right. So for all these reasons, and then you're not, there are no ex incentives for the, for the, for the mass. And there are less out-of-towners coming into New York now for Labor Day than right. before. Because there's less, less attraction. Right. The entertainment level has just gone down to zero. Right. We could have had, there would have been backyards all over Brooklyn. Right. Friday night when you go by Borough Keats, it's a but poor police, but just poor police, imagine that, have to direct traffic because you can't pass by Borough Keats, yeah. you can't pass by Hawks, yeah, you can't Hawks. pass by Sesame, you can't pass, forget Coffee Boys. But it, you see, the thing about it, uh, um, sponsorship, going back to sponsorship, mm -hmm. the bands today, with the meager amount of masqueraders they have, mm -hmm. they cannot make a profit. That kind of entertainment on the park. Yeah. Ah. If you could be remembered for one thing, with all that you guys have done, and you guys have done like a lot, one thing, you have only one thing, what would that be? Clem. You know, my deceased wife told me about two or three weeks before she passed. She told me, she said, you really enjoy what you do, you know, Clem. Don't ever stop doing it. Mm. And I say that all the time. Mm. I don't know if there's any one particular thing. Yeah, but that, that in itself is a thing. That in itself is a big thing. You know, Somebody but, giving you that. Yeah. She said, you really, uh, and I tell you this, they, around this time of the year, mm. when people call the house to look for me, she said, call the other house. <laughs> He's in the other house. Mm -hmm. he passed, yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Devon? Well, for me, I, um, I think I would want to see the things that we were able to, to, to put together uh, to have continuity. Mm -hmm. The things I'm proud about, I'm proud of the work that I did with the veteran Calypsonians. Very, very proud of that because that's part of it, the living legends, the glamour boys again. Mm -hmm. um, and that living legends series ran for, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then the Caribbean Theatre Week which was a huge piece also, which we did like things like Gina Diner mm -hmm. with Tony Hall and, mm -hmm. and then came into the Calypso tent, the Big Apple Calypso tent. All of those things, it created, we actually created a movement mm -hmm. in that the living legends brought a whole new rebirth for vintage music just like you had with rock and roll and you had with R&B, the vintage 
era of Calypso brought people out. For the first time, Blakey would ever leave Trinidad to come to perform in America was in, in those days. So Blakey, that introduction, which is a plea that I've, I've written it into a plea now, mm -hmm. I'm introducing that. And, mm -hmm. and so the, the Glamour Boys the and Glamour Boys. Yeah, so King as, we, as was, we get yeah. to that now, what is the difference between Glamour Boys and Saga Boys? Well, technically, there are no differences, but... Um, they used to call my father Saga Boy. A Saga Boy. But, you see, Saga Boys are dandies. You know, in, in, in the American <laughs> lingo, the dandies, yes, yes. you know, jitterbugs. Well, well, yeah, yeah, they look dressed up nice, yeah. smelling nice, and, yeah. and all the girls and, yeah. and all of that. Um, they were... They, they, they didn't work too hard, <laughs> but they, they work more with their wits and, and, and you know, right. and, and that sort of thing. But the Glamour Boys particularly came out of Sparrow's, Sparrow's um, song, Gene and Dinah, mm -hmm. which opens the Glamour Boys again, we are going to rule Paul of Spain because the Glamour Boys was Sparrow's, oh. the clip. I want to ask you something. If you had to sit with any historical figure, just I'm thinking about all the stuff that you've written and whatnot. Which one figure would that be? You just kind of ask him. Let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. When I knew him, he wasn't as popular as when I came to America. Would be Maestro. Really? Why? Why Maestro? I, I knew Maestro very well. Uh, we lived in the same Princess Town. Mm -hmm. But his rise was after I left. Mm -hmm. And I never really got a chance right. to sit with him. And there are a lot of things I would like to know about the evolution of the soca, the soca music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I could only get that from him. Mm -hmm. What about you, Devon? Well, Similarly, you see, with me, that's why I asked you go first, because it depends on what part of my life you're going to talk about, because I'm a poet, right. and therefore I could tell you who are the poets that I would want to have conversations with. Right. Um, I used to love to be around Amiri Baraka, hmm. just his humor, I just, I just love Amiri around because what, I mean, what would come out of his mouth, you know? Um, uh, and that's in poetry. Mm -hmm. um, I like the company of, of Kamau Bradway. Trouble, you know, but still love, love that. Mm -hmm. If in Calypso, mm -hmm. it was, it's always going to be Stalin. Mm -hmm. Because we, 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 we grew up together. He's older than, he's seven years older than me, mm -hmm. but he was big brother, mm -hmm. you know, so a, a lot of things, you know, the mass is a funny thing. Um, I, I was bringing, I, after I left Trinidad, uh, New York, I went back to Trinidad and brought bands for several years, one about four national queens and that sort of thing. But in the carnival part of it, just more old crew to be together, you know, Mervyn Taylor and all these guys, we had major fun. Uh, Michael Metivere, who just came in here. Mm -hmm. These are the guys around me. So I still find that solace. But this year I lost a, uh, one of my key soldiers, 
Shabaka Thompson, who came out of England as an actor, mm -hmm. but born on Charlotte Street, mm -hmm. so Shabaka would be a person I, I am missing terribly because I know how I would build a mass without Shabaka mm -hmm. and, and that kind of So different people for different reasons. Got it. But Stalin, Shabaka, and... Right. Yeah. And just a quick update on the book and your other projects. Okay, but the book, IDEMA, which means we are a proud nation, it, it comes from the Indian mass traditions of San Fernando, and um, it is a call and response so that the Indian chief would say, Etu Namuna Pai, which means, who are we? Tell us who, tell them who we are. And, and his warriors would declare, Idema, Idema, we are a proud nation. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. So we are a proud nation. So Idema, in the context of the carnival, mm -hmm. it speaks to the traditions of San Fernando and 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 how that influenced the larger carnival. Mm -hmm. um, whether the music, Maestro going to Port of Spain, Stalin going to Port of Spain, Shorty developing the music. Invader, invading the world with rum and Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. Lord Creator re uh, invading the whole of England and Europe with Kingston Town for UB40, mm -hmm. and Harry Belafonte singing melody song who was born on La Peak Hill in San Fernando. Mm -hmm. So that is what this book does. But the very conversation and the essence of what we're dealing with today mm -hmm is my passion now to write the book of the New York story, mm -hmm. Carnival story, which would have begun in 1923 in Harlem. Mm -hmm. So to write that 100 years, mm -hmm. that is my passion right mm -hmm. now. And Mr. Clem? Hmm. You know, we started in... It's in the history books. Yeah, in 1987. Mm -hmm. And uh, we won two bands of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Indian is an Indian, um, yeah, mass, yeah. Mm -hmm. but more so, I think we probably had the first Trinidad-style mass camp mm -hmm. when we opened mm -hmm. our mass camp mm -hmm. on 38th and Church. Church. Mm -hmm. Formerly, the place was called the Shell, mm -hmm. but nobody remembers it as the Shell. Mm -hmm. they, remember it as, they will remember it forever as Borokis mass camp. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of entertainment, I think we did everything. We um, we changed the game to an entertainment. At one point, we had on a Labor Day weekend, we had two venues. You know, we had four bands, two bands in each venue. So you could pay in one price mm -hmm. and get on a shuttle bus, go to the other venue if you if you didn't like that venue. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of things. We, uh, we did the first big boat ride in Miami mm -hmm. where we had Swallow and traffic and we did the fets in Miami. Um, we even had a song, Borokit written, Borokit Woman, mm -hmm. written about Borokit. And I must say this, that at one point, most of the groups that splintered off after, mm -hmm. at one point, whether it was Sesame Flyers, whether it was Blackfoot, whether it was Flat Woman, whether it was Utica Boys, 
they were all part of Boroquip. Mm -hmm. They were all sections in Boroquip. Mm -hmm. So we could boast at one point in having over 3,000 masqueraders mm -hmm. in on the parkway label. Mm -hmm. At one time, we had two trucks for DJs, mm -hmm. and two trucks we had Cannonball out of Guyana. We had uh, Taxi. Mm -hmm. We had GB Production and Madman Maddie. Mm -hmm. All four trucks on Eastern Parkway. Mm -hmm. We can boast of having the first mass band to put crossfire on the parkway, mm -hmm. put traffic on the parkway for many years. And um, it was just... Uh, at one point, we had a Borokit in Miami. Mm -hmm. We had a Borokit in Boston. Atlanta. Atlanta. We had a, there was a Borokit in London. We were not responsible mm -hmm. For the London part of it, mm -hmm. but that was the franchise was spreading. Right, the franchise was spreading. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, um, and, and let me just clarify mm -hmm. one thing. Yes. Uh, in the opening statements, right. we named a lot of artists: the Kessa, right. the Marshall. Mm -hmm. Kariwak Agency is not just uh, a booking agency. Kariwak mm -hmm. Agency also provides work permits for the artists that are under Kairak's management. Mm -hmm. So I'm no longer involved with Marshall Montano, but when Kairak Agency was the booking agency for Marshall Montano, mm -hmm. they handled all their work permits, handled Kess work permits, mm -hmm. candles. Uh, the list, it's, it's a long list. Right. right. Right? But I want to clarify that. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I've had a blast. I've really had a blast sitting down there with these these two gentlemen. And by the way, does the word mean anything? Yeah, it, it means traveler. It, and I'm Amharic. Wow. And it kind of fits. With I think all that so. You've done. It, it almost is. You've been traveling different worlds that, almost that within is, this world. Yep, that's wow. it. I want to thank you guys very, very much for you know taking the time, um, and to letting letting us in. I feel like. This needs another, like a part two, <laughs> you know? So don't be, um, you know, I am sure. And I'm like, there's so much to dig in, dig into. Um, thank you very, very much. Dewad Philip, Mr. Clem Bowen. Thank you guys. Thank you to JC, James, Kevin, and the OTC team. And to you, my audience, thank you for spending your valuable time with us today. And remember, Please care to share. And when you're on your beat, stay on the sunny, sunny side of the street safely. Be, <laughs> be conscious and kind to one another. And don't forget to give thanks for the little and big gifts as we strive to live a beautiful life. Till the next time, Mr. Dewad Philip and Mr. Clem Bowen. Trinidad culture, deep, deep, deep.